Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Amen. Hey, uh, can we thank Keith and the team for leading us in worship? Wasn't that awesome? So good. Well, uh, welcome again, everybody. If you hopped in the middle of music and worship, we're glad that you're joining us here today online, wherever you're streaming from. And again, it's so glad, uh, I'm so good to be back here with everybody here today. And listen, before I show you some baby pictures, I want to remind everybody online. I know, just wait one minute, just one sec. Uh, I'm going to remind everybody online that we're going to be taking communion as a church together today. And so uh, we send out an email about it every Friday before we take communion. So if you're at home or somewhere, you can go grab some bread, go grab some juice, go ahead and do that. We'll take communion together um, here in the room and even online. The Spirit knows no bounds or distance, and we'll come join at the one table of the Lord together. So make sure you go ahead and do that. So like I said, it's great to be back. Um, I've been gone for like three weeks, which is crazy for me. Um, it's, it's, uh, so like I said, we had our baby. And uh, I'll just show you some pictures. I'm just going to jump into it. So here's a picture of me and my wife, Leah, and her baby just moments after he was born. Yep. And so my wife is a rock star. That is our son, Asa Wright Johnston. Many people are like, how do you pronounce it? Asa. Everyone say that with me. Asa. There it is. Asa Wright Johnston. I'm going to let you guys in on a little bit of a secret. We don't tell anybody our names before the baby comes. And this is the last baby in Jesus' name. I am not building an offensive line. Four is enough. It's enough. That's it. And um, we've always wanted to, if we had boys, to name our boys after righteous kings of Israel. And so our first son is Cade. His first name is actually David. We named him after my grandfather. We named him after King David. And we named our fourth child, our second son, after King Asa. If you're unfamiliar with him, you can go read up about him in First Kings in the Bible. He was a righteous king of Israel. So um, uh, it's just... Uh, yeah, many people are probably wondering, Char, how are you surviving with four kids? It's, uh, I'm doing it with enough caffeine to kill a small horse, so <laughs> we're doing all that. Um, I came here, honestly, guys, uh, I feel like the most important things for me today, we're going to get into a message today from God's Word, but I also came here to say thank you. Um, many of you know, Pastor Dale talked about it, um, I saw when I was streaming online, that he let everybody know uh, that uh, when Asa was born, he had some health challenges, and just uh, not even maybe 12 hours into being alive, they sent him off into the NICU for a week. And um, now compared to what a lot of other people go through, he was going to be fine, but it's still scary. You know, when you have a baby going to the NICU and then uh, my wife, Leah, got a little sick too. Everyone's okay. Everyone's up and to the right. Things are good. Um, I just came here to say thank you. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the text messages. Thank you for the calls. Thank you for the food, for the love of Jesus. Thank you for the food. Um, <laughs> So many of you have been so, so, so kind, and so from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being such a loving community, even for me. I don't work here. I'm a part of here. Is that, can I say it like that? So thank you. Can I say thank you to you guys? Thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, baby's home, Leah's home, everybody, everyone's good, uh, you know. Uh, so I'm going to show you a picture. Here's one when, um, uh, when we brought Asa home and he first got to meet his brothers or sisters. Look at all of them. They pounced on that kid like a pack of dogs on a three-legged cat, man. They were all 
over him. Now, um, I had like literally 500 people online be like, give us pictures of the kid. It's nice. You and Leah look great. And the other kids, where's the picture of the baby? So we had pictures taken of the baby. Here's a picture of the baby. That's a real nice one. Her friend Megan took for us this week. Go ahead and put that one online. Look at that. Look at that little chunker. Look at him. So beautiful baby boy, beautiful Asa. And again, I'm just so grateful for all of you for being so supportive and so loving. Thank you guys so very much. Now, what we did not come here today was for me to show you my slideshow, okay? We came here in the hopes of believing that maybe God is real and that maybe the God who lives and breathes is a God who's a God of love and who cares about you and cares about your life and is invested in your life and has a word for you today to help you and to help me. And it's true. He is and he's here and he's here to speak to us today. We're in a series called Deep Peace. Everyone say that. Deep peace. We're talking about one of the things that Pastor Dale said last week, that Christianity presupposes peace, supernatural infusion of peace, experiential peace, deep peace. And man, do we need this now more than ever. Our theme verse for the series is Isaiah 26, verse 3. We're going to put it on the screen. We're going to read it out loud all together. And it says this here. Ready, go. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. This is what we're talking about. The deep peace experientially that's available to people who reach out to Jesus. I am, um, I'm just going to crack my heart open here at the very beginning of today's time. I'm so invested in this topic. Um, this is one of the, I'm fired up every single time I have the opportunity to preach to our church. I am maybe the most fired up in a year to talk about this stuff today um, because I'm so personally invested in it. One of my most favorite parts of God is the peace of God. The Bible talks about that God is a trinity of peace. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father is called the God of peace. Jesus is called the Prince of peace. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of peace. I love the peace of God. The thing I live for the most, more than just putting a microphone on and, and communicating uh, scriptural truths to people on stage, is actually one-on-one time with people where I help them experience God. I live for those moments. You know how I help people understand how to, when they pray, here's what you can say to God, but here's how to learn how to hear from God for yourself. You know how you recognize the voice of God? I tell them, follow the peace. Because everything God does is saturated with peace. When uh, I was growing up, uh, the church that I came to faith in, uh, I was in like a Kids of Hope program. The Bible came alive in me. And my very good friend in church at the time, he and I both kind of came to faith at the same time. We went through middle school and high school. And in high school, my faith exploded. And in high school, he lost his faith. It was a very difficult thing. We, st- we still were friends. You know, ob- we didn't have a rift in our friendship, but we began to take very different divergent paths in life. Well, lo and behold, we both ended up going to Florida State University, and uh, he studied psychology, and he is uh, legitimately, this friend of mine is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. He is currently a psychologist practicing in Germany, okay? Like, wow, he ended up on the other side of the world, has a PhD, brilliant guy, just brilliant. And about halfway through my time at Florida State University, around 2004, 2005, he reached out to me, he said, hey, I... I just can't, and he didn't say this in a judgmental way. He's like, I cannot fathom why some Christians 
believe the things that Christians believe. And I figured I would find a Christian I know to ask them why they believe what they believe. See, this is before Facebook was invented where you just judge people publicly and not go take somebody out to a meal and try to get to know somebody better than you who's different, or get to know somebody better who's different than you, right? And so he said, can we like go to lunch? Can I ask you questions? I said, sure. And lo and behold, some of the things they thought Christians believe, well, not all Christians believe that. Mm, nope, definitely don't believe it. Well, Christians have different views on this thing and you know, began to open up his perspective a little bit more. We enjoyed having lunch so much because we had been childhood friends. We decided to go to lunch together every couple weeks. And he would take me because he was a vegetarian and he would flip back and, back and forth between vegetarian and vegan. Like there's a lot of good barbecue in Tallahassee. We never went to any one of those places. <laughs> Ever. We went to every hippie restaurant, you know, Hare Krishna lunch, all sorts of stuff all the time. Um, and just we're talking about faith and life and God. And, and we just rekindled our friendship. And I'll never forget one of my lunches with this dear friend of mine. And he sat across from me, he began lunch talking to me about this newest philosophical argument that he had learned about the reasons why God does not exist. Now, um, I'm not Elon Musk. But I would like to think I'm kind of smart, okay? And what he was describing to me was so convoluted, I could not even follow his argument for why God does not exist. I'm like, I, can I be honest with you? What are you even saying right now? It made no sense to me. That was the beginning of the conversation. You know how the conversation ended? And it's through none of my own doing. It was the grace of God at work in my friend's heart and life. This guy who's the smartest person I've ever met, who has read more books about philosophy than I possibly could you know, even get my hands on, was eating his vegetarian lunch. And you could see his heart just open up on the table. And he put his intellectual barriers aside, and, and he just looked at me and said, Trevor, what does God feel like? And I don't know about you, I, I wasn't prepared to answer that, so I just told him the first thing came out of my mouth. What's God feel like? God feels like peace. Every hungry and thirsty heart in this room that's longing for something more, you're longing for the peace of Jesus Christ. When Jesus talks about, come to me and drink water, so that you will never thirst again. This is the stuff. It's the presence of God. It's the peace of God. I love the peace of God. So I'm passionate about this because I love it. I'm also passionate about it because I need it. I'm broken in this way. I struggle with anxiety. Are there any other anxious people here today? <laughs> All the hands. Wow, two hands. Great, cool. Um, I get knots in my stomach. I worry about things. I fret about things. It fuels my codependent behavior that I have to work on. It does. It does. So I'm, I'm like, I love God's peace. I need God's peace. And I'm a satisfied customer with God's peace. And I believe this is the heart cry of not only a lot of people in my generation, certainly people in generations older than me, but a lot in generations younger than me. It's a pandemic of anxiety, and people need peace. So last week, Pastor Dale opened up with our concept about peace, and he talked about fear. Well, today we're going to talk about the concept of worry, and what does God's peace want to speak into that? So our passage for today comes from Luke chapter 12, 
verse 6. Oh, excuse me, Luke 12, verse 22. I don't know where 6 came from. I'm not sleeping, so whatever. <laughs> Luke 12, 22. 6, I don't know. Pick a number, whatever. Luke 12, verse 22. Listen to this. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, or about your body, or what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your hearts on what you eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows you need them. But seek first, seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near nor, mo nor moth destroys. For your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lord Jesus, Prince of Peace, come minister to all of our fear and all of our worry here in this room. I don't pray for an intellectual understanding of what you teach. I pray for an experiential knowledge that we would know beyond knowledge your peace here today. Come Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So in this passage in Luke chapter 12, at this point Jesus is speaking to thousands of people. He's trying to teach his disciples a new way of living. In Luke 12, he uses the word life multiple times. Say, for life is not about this, and life is not about that. He's trying to teach everybody a new way of living. I want to know, does anybody here need a new way of living? I do. And so he invites his followers to consider their lives, their values, their priorities, their words, and even their possessions. And he tells them, do not worry. Verse 22, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Now this is a command like many other commands in the Bible, and do not statements in the Bible, it's do not lie, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not worry. Wow. That's challenging. Let's just pause for a minute. Let's talk about worry. Worry, guys, is fear about the future. It's future-oriented. Worry is encapsulated by the statement, what if? What if? Now, worry always goes to worst-case scenario. Worry never camps out in good possibilities. Worry never goes, what if I win the lottery? That's not worry. That's a pipe dream. <laughs> worry says, instead of what if I win the lottery, worry goes, what if I run out of money? See, what you worry about and what your what-if statements are change depending on what stage of life you're at. If you're younger, you wonder, what if I pick the wrong college? What if I can't find the right mate for a spouse? What if 
We have trouble having kids. What if I can't find the right career? What if my friends reject me? What if, if you get a little bit older, what if my kids turn out rebellious? What if my career path doesn't go the way I want it to go? What if I get let go at work? What if my spouse leaves me? What if one of my loved ones gets sick when you're a little bit older? What if I don't have enough money to retire? What if I get sick? What if this is the end of the world? It's funny, but it's not. You know all of us have thought that at least one point in the past year and a half, right? Right? Yeah, it's like peeking outside. What chapter of Revelation is it today? Okay. <clears throat> Worry is about what if statements. And I want to pose a question to y'all here today. Is worry, is Jesus saying when you say, do not worry, is worry a sin? Really? I mean, kind of, yeah. Um, Dr. Vic Copan, who was here on a panel a couple weeks ago, didn't uh, Vic do a great job? And Nate, Dr. Nathan did a great job. Did a great job. So Dr. Vic Copan, in his book, Change Your Mind, I use this definition all the time, but I, I kind of modify it to talk about relationships, which is still true. But this is actually what Dr. Vic Copan says in his book, Changing Your Mind. This is how he defines sin. He says this here. What is sin? Sin is everything that damages the shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace. Sin is everything that damages the shalom, peace, God intended for all human relationships, whether with God, with others, or with the world. Worry damages peace. It damages relationships. It damages what's going on internally in you. Yeah, it's sinful. Yes, it's not right. Yes, it's something that Jesus wants to deal with. But here's the beautiful thing about this. Jesus tells us, do not worry. Now, fellow worriers here in the room, is it helpful at all when somebody comes to you and says, just don't worry? <laughs> Stop it. Is that helpful at all? No. Worry might be one of the only sins I can think of that nobody likes committing. All other th sins are fun for a moment. I mean, it's, I'm not trying to be funny, but okay, whatever. <laughs> They're fun just for a moment, but then you reap death and destruction afterward. Yeah. Worry, nobody likes committing. Worry, something like, I want to stop worrying, but I can't. Well, let go. I can't. And Jesus, instead of just going, we'll just stop it. Jesus, in our passage today, lovingly puts his arms around people and says, can I show you how to stop worrying? He tells people to consider a few things. It's like he's just saying, hey, let's take a walk, and I'm going to lead you to green pastures and still waters. Just consider some things. He's walking people out of their worry. And so he starts here. He says, consider again. He uses this word twice in this passage. What does he want us to consider? Well, the first thing Jesus wants us to consider is that worry doesn't work. Worry does not work. Luke 12, 25 and 26. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you, since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? It doesn't work. Do any of you, um, have you, how do I say this? There are, I hate being ripped off. I hate being ripped off where you buy something and it doesn't work at all. I think the thing I might have been the most frustrated about about not working in my life um, is sea monkeys. Does anybody remember sea monkeys? <laughs> Does anybody else remember this? Am I alone? No? Okay. Sea monkeys, 
So maybe this is like an 80s and 70s thing. If, I mean, if you're 90s or born in the 2000s, you know, don't make me feel old. Sea monkeys were this thing where you bought, and it's like if you put it in the tank of water, if you put it in the first pouch of stuff that cleanses it, and you put it in the second pouch, instantly sea monkeys form to life in your water, and then the third pouch as you could grow them. So they have like a civilization on a paint or on a picture on every box of sea monkeys. And it was like, come make sea monkeys. So I remember being in Denver, Colorado, 1988. I'm like, sea monkeys, we're gonna rip the thing out, we're gonna put it in, we're gonna put the next pouch in. And nothing. And then the next day. Nothing. And then the next day, nothing. No sea monkeys at all. Apparently, if you're successful, it becomes little like brine shrimp, maybe like that kind of big. Rip off. Rip off. So frustrated that it doesn't work at all. And Jesus is trying to tell people, worry is a rip off. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. See, somewhere along the way, many of us learn to worry and fret about the future because we think it works. Worry tries to predict what is in the future and what it has in store so that if you worry about it enough, you can predict what's going to happen so you can control what's going to happen so you don't suffer. Worry is actually about control. That's what it tries to do. But the problem of this is researchers tell us today who study these things that 95% of the things that people worry about actually never happen. Corey Tinboon once said this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Friends, worry doesn't work. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking, like, wait a minute. So I'm not supposed to worry about tomorrow, and so I'm not supposed to, like, get hurricane supplies and have hurricane shutters? Am I not supposed to buy life insurance, Pastor Trevor? What about having an emergency fund? You guys love Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey says to prepare for Murphy's Law. How come, what, are you saying not this? No, it's not what I'm saying. The Bible talks about the wisdom of preparation. Like Proverbs twenty-seven twelve says this. It says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Jesus is not encouraging people to be naive about bad things that could happen in the future. There's a difference between wisdom and worry. Wisdom tries to prepare for the future. Worry tries to control the future. You can prepare for what-ifs, but you can't control them. And worry obsessively tries to control them. And what Jesus would have to speak to us today is to pry our hands off of our control and our worry go, hey, it actually doesn't even work. Some of us need to break up with worry and agree that it flat out doesn't work and we should learn to do something else instead. Jesus continues on. Consider that worry does not work. And then he asks us to consider who God really is. Who God really is. He tells us how to take some proactive steps out of worry. And he tell, starts talking about ravens. He starts talking about lilies. He starts with these very small and seemingly insignificant things. And what he's trying to say is these things that are insignificant, you're like ravens were the least important bird. They were an unclean bird. Jewish people weren't even supposed to touch ravens. And lilies aren't even flowers. It's just wild things that grow up and are here today, gone tomorrow, like Jesus says. And these small, insignificant things, God cares about them. And what his point is, and 
you are worth more than this small stuff. You're not small stuff to God. God cares about you. In fact, he even says this in a beautiful way at the beginning of Luke 12 in a totally different passage. Luke 12, 6 and 7, Jesus says this. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. What Jesus is saying here is that worry is rooted in the belief that you don't matter to God. It's the same lie the devil's been telling humanity since Adam and Eve in the garden, going to say, God doesn't have your best interest at heart. And when we believe lie that God doesn't care about me, God doesn't see me, God doesn't value me, that's where worry begins. And Jesus' invitation to walk out of that is to begin to believe something different about who God actually is. And notice the word picture he uses. Even the hairs on your head are numbered. And so even from some of my, my brothers who might use a, a bick on their head, even maybe facial hair, I don't know. Even the hairs in your head are numbered. I want to show a picture of my baby again. He was born with a full head of hair. Strawberry blonde hair, in fact. How did that happen? <laughs> um, apparently, if you're Scottish, any of your kids have a 25% chance of being a ginger. Who knew? And... Um, Put that picture back up online, please. I know it's here in the room, but put it back online. I love this little boy, and I would do anything for him. And those those days and those nights when we were in the NICU, and he had tubes on his face and a feeding tube up his nose and an IV in his hand, I mean, a part of me felt like I was dying watching him do it. And I would have given anything to switch with him, right? All parents know this. We would do anything to switch with our kids, right? And I would do anything for him. But even I don't have the numbers of his hair counted, or the number of his hairs counted on his head. But God does. Okay, you can take it off now. And God has the numbers of your hairs counted. And so really what Jesus is saying is you want to learn how to stop worrying. Well, first you have to quit trying it because you think it works. And really, here's what you have to do. You have to begin to believe differently. Pastor Dale told us last week that a faith that focuses on Jesus brings peace. And it's true today too. You need to begin to believe that God cares about you. You want to learn how to stop worrying if you're a worrier? Go look in the mirror every single morning before you get up and before you go to bed and say, God loves me. God cares about me. God values me. God wants to be involved in the details of my life, and God is good. And your worry is going to begin to evaporate. And lastly, Jesus says this. Consider what you seek first. Consider what you seek first. And so he just summarizes everything. It's like, but man, seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. What Jesus is trying to tell us is that worry is all-consuming. Worry demands that it comes first, that it be dealt with, that it be prioritized. When people worry, they're obsessing about stuff. And you're giving your heart to it. What Jesus is saying is don't give your heart to worry. Give your heart to me instead. And all the stuff you're worried about, the Father will take care of it anyway. 
It doesn't mean bad things don't happen, but your what ifs will turn into even if. Well, what if this happens? Well, even if this happens, I know who walks with me. And even if my worst fears come true, I know who's going to get me through it. And even if something happens, I know the one who has conquered even death itself. Give your heart to Jesus instead of worry. Would you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction? I'm going to read over you that passage again from John chapter 14. And just open your heart, whether you're here in this, in this room or online, and just drink this in. Jesus says this to us. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the God who's come to set us free from worry. Teach us to let go of it because it doesn't work. Teach us to look to you because you're actually that good that you're with us. You care about us. The very hairs on our head are numbered. And you've asked us to give our hearts to you instead of to our fear. Would you forgive us for when we've not done that and pour out your grace on us to walk in peace from this moment forward? Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.